Riding Around is an improvised recap of a sitcom that never existed. Enjoy! I'm Kelly Quinn. And I'm Malin Von Euler-Hogan. We met as actors on the hit early 2000s sitcom Riding Around, the first network comedy ever to be filmed entirely on... And around... A bus. And we're still pretty good friends. And now we're doing the official Riding Around fan podcast. Each week, we'll talk about an episode of the show and bring you interviews, fun facts, and behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were on the bus can tell you. Come ride around with us. Morning, Kelly. Oh, hello, Malin. You're in a good mood. What are you up to these days? Well, I'm feeling already the preemptive glow of having exercised tomorrow. The girls and I are running a haunted 5K out on Governor's Island, so I'm very excited about that. It's just a normal 5K, but they're hanging up some decorations and a couple scares along the way. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd like to be bothered on a run like that, but for you, I (laughs) I can see you enjoying that. Oh, yeah. Well, the girls were into it and, you know, Derek's been traveling. So actually, Seth is coming out to to do that. He's been in town this weekend and he volunteered to come out with us. He says he's trying to get his fitness in shape. So I invited him to join and we all got bibs and here we go doing a little a little group run. And for listeners who don't know, when we say Seth, we mean Seth MacFarlane, of oh, course. Sure, and sure. of American dad. Yeah. Kelly, I can't help but feel like this man is kind of inserting himself in your family, almost trying to become... I don't know, a father figure to your daughter's husband figure to you. Are you getting those vibes? Gosh, that's such an interesting question. You know, because Derek and I have been married for so long, I... And he is traveling what sounds like a lot these days. Yeah, it's not an ideal amount. That's what I'll say. But I have to remember that when I was acting, I was the one who was busy and unavailable all the time. So there had to be some give and take and I have to allow his career to advance as well. But it has, sure, been a little tough. And is it possible that you know, boundaries are getting blurry with uh, maybe, I don't know. I'm trying to just enjoy the ride. And Mm -hmm. it's been a really nice time for a new friendship to enter my life. And the girls seem to, you know, really have taken to Seth as well. Not in any way as a replacement for a father figure, but just, you know, as a a nice guy, a funny guy to have around. Yeah. I'm probably bringing my baggage to it. Just having had experience the dissolution of a few marriages, I might be looking for problems where there are none. So I apologize. Oh, no, don't apologize. I mean, you're one of my closest friends. And if I gosh, if they're heaven forbid, if there's anything ever to know, you'll you'll be the first to know. Oh, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And listeners will then tell you as soon as we can as well. Right. Yeah. I, I know it does feel like, oh, we have these weekly check-ins with one another, but then also with the network of a growing network of thousands of, I mean, you know, we do want to keep the numbers proprietary, but they're getting bigger and bigger every week. So. Yep. Absolutely. But gosh, going on and on about myself. What about you? Happy Halloween, by the way. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, the thing I, I texted you earlier this week, but that one neighbor keeps bothering me about my Halloween decorations. Oh, right. I don't know who, I have my guess of who it is. I'm not positive, but she thinks I went a little over the top, I guess, and um, is threatening to call the city on me. And I just, I'm I'm just ready for this holiday to be over. You know, I've had my issues with John and the pumpkins and now this neighbor Mm -hmm. doesn't like the skeleton size. And I just, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do, but I don't want to complain anymore. I want to get into a positive holiday Halloween spirit and- Mm -hmm. Luckily, we have an excellent, our first Halloween episode on Riding Around to talk about today. It's season two, episode seven. And to discuss this very special holiday episode, we are so excited to welcome to the podcast our co-star, the legend who played Wiggles the Clown, Martin Merton. 
Hello, hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, welcome, Martin. I just have to say, because it's been a while, the accent gets me every time. On the show, you know, no trace of it. It's like Kate Blanchett, you just did, you know, Christian Bale, I just recently learned was Australian, had no idea. And it's the same with you. Your accent was always so spot on on the show. Thank you so much. I, I so appreciate you saying that. I, I, I watch those old episodes again, and I still hear South Brixton coming out. So for you to say that it sounds like an American is very kind, very generous, very generous. Oh, so South Brixton. So I have only spent about a week myself in the UK total. Where are we talking here? And I, of course, could pull up a map, but I prefer to stay locked in with you if I could. Well, let's see. Are you familiar with Wandsworth? Uh, so no. Okay. This is about, a, you know, five kilometers from Wandsworth to the east. But then if you go, well, let's see, are you familiar with um, Bogstown? No. So are okay. these? So Kelly, maybe say what city or town you've been to and we can connect from there. Yeah. So it was just London. Oh, it's right outside of that. Okay. Oh, amazing. It's right okay. outside of London. It's, um, a, it's like a suburban development close to London. But I really didn't spend much time in London until... I went to drama school later in life. Mostly, yes, most of my younger days were spent in South uh, Brixton, which is kind of a, um, it's a little hamlet, really. Oh. Uh, most of the people there work in the fishing industry. And that's what my father did and his so father. fishing the Thames or they, it's, gosh, I'll just look at a map. Don't even answer that. I'm asking yeah, crazy let's, questions. Let's pull up a map here. But mm -hmm. wow, what a journey your acting career has taken you on from a fishing village to Hollywood, California. And we want to get into that for sure. But mm -hmm. we were, Kelly and I were just trying to figure out when the last time we saw you was. And I, we think it had to have been mm -hmm. that episode we shot of Celebrity Family Feud. Yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Right. That was yes. so fun. To this day, I still, I kick myself for what I said when he asked, what was it that Mr. Harvey said? He said, top 100 ways to greet a friend. Yes. 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 Oh gosh. And your answer, ah, oh, wow. uh, and the look on Steve Harvey's face when you said. Quite an embarrassment. <laughs> really, yeah. really quite embarrassing. When I said, you knock at them. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I thought it was a common thing. I thought everyone would know what I meant by that. But, you know, I, I'm surprised, frankly, and, and this happened all the time on the show. I feel like I would say something and people would look at me like I was from an alien universe. Well, and it turns right. out I was just, you know, it, just it was just the same language, but not really. Mm -hmm. No, it did come up in this episode because I remember you would refer to a costume party as a fancy dress party. And we yes. were like, shut up. No one calls it that. And it just turned out that it's a Britishism. You know, it's a thing that you guys say over there. And sorry, we can't be cool about it. We got to give you a hard time every time right. one of these things comes up. Oh, gosh. And you know who especially did not get that was the cast of Duck Dynasty that we were up against in that that uh, Celebrity Family Feud episode. That was... Whew. You know, I've actually not really talked about this, but one of them found me in the parking lot afterwards and no. kind of cornered me and oh. uh, glowered at me so. And he didn't actually do anything, uh, but uh, Phil, I believe his name was, um, he, mm -hmm. he said that he, he, he did not have good intentions for, for me. And I, oh my gosh. I skedaddled out of there, hopped in my Mini Cooper and drove away. <laughs> so. Oh, God. Now, I Phil, that's, that. that's the patriarch of the family, is it? 
I um, I can't say I'm too familiar with I that. I get the Robertsons all mixed up. Dark Dynasty, yes. That's yeah. a show. It's a show. It's a very popular American show. Is it? Is it like yeah, the Kardashians? It was at the time, yeah. Just a family of country people. I mean, I honestly, I never watched it. I never... Well, if they're a family of country people, then we would have had more in common than he assumed. Yeah, you know, the accent throws people. They're a hunting family, and what is fishing but hunting in the water for fish? That's actually how we would used to talk about it growing up. You know, my father would sit us down in the breakfast nook and say, what is fishing but hunting in the water? That's, that's funny. That's very insightful. Let's recap this episode, huh? Season 2, Episode 7, our, our first Halloween special. Molly, would you go ahead and read that TV Guide synopsis? The bus does a Halloween special to take trick-or-treaters to different neighborhoods around the city, and Wiggles the Clown struggles with the holiday as he faces accusations of being an adult trick-or-treater. Marsha takes the opportunity to highlight issues of corruption in local government. Mm. Right. So this was a fun one. And Martin, remind me, was this kind of Wiggles' big moment? How did you feel, you know, carrying the weight of this episode? It, um, it, you know, it was a great privilege it was a great privilege to carry the episode. And I will say I had struggled up to that point because I would never want to sound ungrateful, but it was the case that my drama school peers mm-hmm. had had a different sort of career path than mm. I had. You know, um, Andrew Scott was doing The Iceman Cometh at the Lamplight Theatre and... Um, who else did I go to school with? Um, Olivia Coleman was oh, doing no way. Our Town at the Globe. Heavy hitters from Fleabag specifically. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Phoebe, Phoebe, call me. <laughs> you know, it's funny that, because I know Phoebe too, and it is funny oh. that she's kind of collected everyone around me, mm-hmm. but not me. But that's neither here nor there. I will say I was none too eager to be cast on an American style oh, sure. sitcom. Is there, um, yeah, is there yeah. a stigma associated with that sort of acting? I will say at the time it was my prejudice and my bias that I was carrying with me mm-hmm. coming into it. Just coming from this environment where you're working on really amazing texts, really, you know, the classic monologues of Shakespeare and Ibsen and Chekhov and... Mm-hmm. Oh, just mm-hmm. all of them, you know. Mm-hmm. I could keep going, but I won't bore you no with that. Need. Right. And so when I was cast on on this sitcom, I said, I'm one one and done, one season and I'm out of here. And this was the episode where I realized what the power of the sitcom really is, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I was picturing people back in South mm-hmm. Brixton, people like that, people in America, in the American version of South Brixton, so, you know, what's that, somewhere like Bronson, Missouri, perhaps, mm-hmm. gathered around their small television sets, just wanting one moment of solace mm-hmm. from their lives. And if we could be mm-hmm. the people to provide that for them, then all the sure. better. I mean, Hollywood, in many ways, is the oh. Shakespeare of America, just in the sense Absolutely. of, you know, you have those bodier characters like Falstaff and uh, it's Falstaff, I would say, the original sitcom character, right? Sort of big, broad, wacky. And, <laughs> yes. Uh, gosh, that's so interesting. I love Falstaff. He's so Such funny. Silly, yeah, sort of, <laughs> Falstaff. Mm-hmm. sort of drunk and that's <laughs> hilarious yeah, stuff. Really hilarious stuff. Uh, you know who does a good Falstaff? 
I saw one time I saw Mark Rylance at um, after after sessions at drama school. I went to the the the, the uh, Rada. I went to Rada. And um, after sessions at Rada, we would go to the pub where we knew that the actors from the West End and the Globe would be hanging out and we would kind of sit around next to them and eavesdropping and sit ourselves where we could. And Mark Rylance one night got so drunk on peppermint (laughs) schnobs. And he huh. did full staff to a T. Like I'm sure how Shakespeare actually imagined him when he was conjuring up that character. It was amazing. Oh, wow. And that's how I felt doing this episode with you, with you guys. It was like being back in that pub, um, listening in, having a laugh, having a shot, and and just trying to create mirth and joy. So you've spoken a little bit about your training, your formation at RADA is the name of the school, Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. Is that? Yes. Yes. The Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. Well, you know, I got really lucky. I, I, there was a contest in South Brixton, um, a monologue contest. And I, would you believe it? I entered and I won. And that set me on a journey that I could not have predicted the outcome of. And the fact that it led me to the bus of all mm-hmm. places this is really amazing. So what was the monologue that you auditioned with? I think it's rather funny because at the time I was quite enamored with a uh, book that I uh, would read every day and I would read it over and over again. And that book was, I was maybe eight mm-hmm. years old at the time. And that book was called Go Dog Go. And so when I entered the contest, I didn't know what I was going to perform. I, I thought maybe I'll sing a song. I wasn't sure what kind of talent I might bring to the table. And when I stood up in front of those judges, the contents of that book just spilled out of me. Wow. Wow. They spilled out of me like guts. Wow. Go, dog, Ooh, go. Chills. Yeah, goosebumps over here. I mean, sometimes the simplest things are the most mm-hmm. profound. Wow. Absolutely. And so they weren't being so strict about the monologue aspect of it then. They just wanted to see that someone could speak publicly, practice good diction, all that sort of thing. And and you must have really knocked it out of the park. Gosh. I believe so. But I also believe I brought, I managed to bring sort of, you know, not to uh, talk myself up or anything, but I think I managed to bring a rich emotional life to the text that other people didn't because... Both my uh, father and my mother, though I love them so, were quite abused. Uh, oh, and gosh. I had that in my spirit. I had that experience in my spirit. So when I got to the part of the text that said, a dog driving, a dog surviving, Oof. I oh, think I was able to say that in a way that had more meaning than Maybe someone otherwise might have been. And I think, who was on the panel that day? It was, was mm-hmm. that? Who was on the panel? Um, uh, Wish I could help uh, you here, but I just wasn't yeah, there. Gosh, I didn't even know South Brixton existed before about eight minutes ago. So, Oh, you know, I don't know because when I look back. Then, Is it helpful if we just guess British people? Judy help, Dench. Yeah. Hugh Grant. Uh, Ricky no. Gervais. Yes, it was Ricky Gervais. Oh, Ricky, <laughs> great guess, Molly. Ricky Gervais was on the panel. Wow. I have trouble remembering, because when I picture that, 
I only see the face of my father. I imagined I was performing the model oh, to wow. him. I said, go, dog, out, oh. go. And I was saying it to my father. Wow. Will you remind me, what's your training? What's your background? Well, I obviously started in high school just doing kind of local productions, you know, a Christmas carol, that kind of thing. And then in my high school itself, we did we did rent mm. one year. Um, and then, you know, went on to college, did not get into my college's um, drama department, ended up being an English major instead. And then after that, you know, I, I moved to Los Angeles and I just hit the bricks. I started auditioning for commercials and so kind of learned that way. I eventually took a couple of acting classes, you know, just the the mm-hmm. random one-off in North Hollywood, you know. But yeah, so I think of myself as a little bit of a self-taught actor. You know, I did, I put on a one-woman show at some point, learned a lot from that. And I guess when I started calling myself Method was probably a little bit after that because I realized you can just say anything mm. and do anything mm. and be anything. And so I don't know, that that's sort of my journey. Kelly, what about you? I was always a little too shy in high school to really get into the whole theater club thing. But in college, I started taking some, you know, very introductory acting classes. And my teachers were um, teaching, I believe, the Stanislavski method then. Uh, I've not found one that really works for me. Any of the methods, uh, it's sort of more, yeah, cobbled together a couple of styles that felt personally like they resonated with me. And then, yeah, similarly to Malin, just sort of moved right out after um, after graduating from undergrad and mm. never took another acting class again, actually. I guess if you count some of the improv, what would really throw me in auditions was being asked ever to go off the cuff a little bit. And so I would take some of those, Ooh, okay, yeah. how the heck do I audition if they ask me to do an improv? So I took some of those classes definitely when I got to Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, I think that's really beautiful because I do find that having gone to drama school, I actually had to unlearn so much. I had to um, oh. uh, untether myself from the shoulds that I had uh, uh, taken on that you, you should know your character's mm. backstory, that you should know your lines, mm-hmm. uh, you should know everyone's lines when you when you uh, mm-hmm. uh, show up to set. I must apologize. You must, I'm sure you remember uh, those early episodes where I I, was. I do, but <laughs> honestly, Martin, I found it helpful, oh, you know, and I, I would kind of, I'd blank on something and you're right there with the line just uh-huh. ready to go. So I, I thought it was useful. I kind of wish Diana hadn't pulled you aside right. and told you to stop doing it. It was <laughs> so nice. And no matter where you were on the bus, you it was almost like, you moved like vapor and you were in our ear saying, oh, so th-, and then prompting us, which was so cool. Mm-hmm. It was a, a tendency that I, I, I had to unlearn. Again, I do apologize, but I'm glad to hear that it was useful because I just had that little, you know, wiggling in the back of my brain to run up and say, between every shot and say, have you thought about your want? Have you, uh, have you considered... Have you considered the target? Have you considered, you know, just because we rely on, that's the thing that I think is really beautiful about uh, the theater is it makes you develop your Mm -hmm. imagination. Um, And so I really did enjoy coming up with little pitches like, have you thought about doing this one as if Jackie uh, has a secret? Have you thought about doing Mm -hmm. this one as if, as if, as if, that's the phrase Mm -hmm. that I would always use, as if Marsha has a diagnosis that she's told no one about. Right, right. And I, th- I do find that 
that was something that I had Marlon, to Marlon, do you remember any of that happening for you this episode? I actually do because, you know, I got a little B story here and, and my character was basically trick-or-treaters were coming onto the bus and I was trying to get in the parents' mm-hmm. faces about the corruption going on in, in the local government. The mayor was up to something and I was intent on letting these right, parents know. Right, and you were know. doing that all in a Guy Fawkes mask, of course, because V for Vendetta had come out earlier that year. Which I was a little upset with the writers for, for doing that to me because I told them I have not seen the film. I, had, mm. I wasn't able to see it in theaters mm. when it came out. And then I tried to get it Netflix DVD. My mail was getting stolen at the time. So I, I was not able to watch. So I wish they hadn't put me in a situation where I couldn't fully know the character. Mm. But Martin, you you came and whispered the most helpful thing to me, which was, what if Marsha doesn't want to go home? And that to me really wow. unlocked something. Yeah, because because then I realized, does she care about the corruption or does she just want to stay wow. on the bus and get engaged in conversation so that she can avoid there? And that yes. just, I don't know, it unlocked something I don't know if you can see, me. I'm literally crying. There are tears in my eyes right now. Just the power of that suggestion. Oof, God, incredible. Yeah. And so that's why I do tell people when they ask, oh, what kind of acting training should I get? Blah, blah, blah. I say, don't get any, but it is helpful if someone in the cast yes. has some and they can communicate mm-hmm. that to you. Then you're not getting all these mixed messages, yeah, right. different approaches and methods. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Well, Martin, I did want to ask, so when you audition for yes. Wiggles, could we talk about how the audition came to you? What sort of prep you did? Had you done clown work right. before? Is there any miming component at RADA or? You know, of course there was uh, movement courses and Commedia dell'arte and there was, a, so we took a, a summer sojourn to uh, France yeah. to um, at least take in some mime, to uh, watch some mime. I saw a really, when I was in France, I saw a really wonderful, beautiful, very political mime where um, this great French mime, uh, Henri, I believe his name is Henri. Beautiful accent. Tart, Henri okay. Tart. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like the way that sounds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, Henri Tart. Tart, Tartine, Henri Tartine. That was his name. He does this beautiful mime where he plays both JFK and Marilyn Monroe. I mean, that's sort of unbelievable. (laughs) It's political. It's funny. It's really funny, you know, passing a pill back and forth between their two mouths and that sort of thing. And I I was not a clowning. um, uh, That was not my emphasis, but it was something that I had a great deal of affection for. My emphasis was in um, sitting. Mm. And, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, just the power of stillness is, uh, oh, my, my, okay. my thesis project was called, called the power oh, of no stillness. Way. And I sat in a chair for, um, eight hours and thought different thoughts. That's almost, I mean, you remember that piece, I'm sure where Tilda Swinton took a nap in a glass box at MoMA, that to me, she's ripping you off, you know? Well, you know, from your mouth to God's ears, but... Um, Tilda is, I would never say anything negative about Tilda. She's a very powerful person in this industry. And I, I'm a mm. little bit, uh, I'm a little bit frightened. Oh, I, yeah. I would actually really appreciate if we could uh, avoid any further mention of Miss Swin- Miss Swinton. I, have you crossed paths no, with her? Never. It's very... oh, she's... No, I keep trying. Oh, are you trying, Molly? I don't recommend it. Yeah, I just admire her, you know, fellow 
redhead mm-hmm. and it is mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if that's, na- is that natural? I just see her as redhead sometimes. I think it is. Uh, I don't think there's a single thing about that woman <gasps> that's natural. She came to do a master class at Rada one time. And when I was walking back to the dormitories, the lights began to flicker and she appeared behind me like a jump scare. Wow. And she said, watch it, boy. Oh, goodness. And then she vanished in a vapor of, it smelled like mutton. Oh, yuck. Oh, wow. Okay. Don't like that. Disgusting. Don't care for that. You know, I understand that she's really, really amazing, really talented. I understand why she resonates with people on a personal level. I find her to be quite different. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. She's got the bone structure, right? You know, to be sort of lethal. Absolutely. But I believe you were asking me about the audition mm-hmm. process. After drama school, I went on, you know, you just say yes to whatever comes Don't anyway. we know so it. I thought, I thought soon I will be doing the Iceman Cometh. Soon I will be doing the Glass Menage uh, like my classmates. Um, but, I, you know, I couldn't land a gig. And I think it was really my look. You know, you remember how young I looked. I looked like... A fetus. I looked like a child still. Which in Hollywood, you know, is such a gift, but also I imagine felt like a curse for you. At the time, I really wanted to be in these big productions, but the only, so the only thing I could book really was I was on tour with the um, improvised Andy Cap as his child. Do you know Andy Cap? Is that another anglicism that I'm missing here? Yes, I believe so. So Andy Cap, a lot of Americans know him because he is on a bag of hot fries. Okay, that is what I thought he was. Oh, the cartoon? <laughs> He's okay. the mascot on a bag of hot fries. Uh-huh. But he is, in origin, um, a comic strip character who wears um, a, oh. a flannel cap. and Yes. Uh, he gets drunk and hits his wife, and it's really... Um, oh, goodness. It's like the honeymooners. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. In comic yeah, strip. so form. interesting. Yes. Okay, so so a show was created around this character. Yes, a, sh- a children's theater show was created okay. called The Improvised Handicap. And we would go to different schools and we would do different episodes because, um, uh, you know, kids in in the UK love Andy. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, I know it's dark. it might sound dark to the American palate, but that's yeah. just life in the UK. That's right. what kids like. Kids don't really enjoy. British kids are so interesting to me. And I'd be curious to hear, uh, Kelly, about your children in this regard, because British children, as I know them, don't like cartoons. They don't like sugar. They like anti-cap. I imagine that if I presented my girls with a comic strip about a man that beats his wife for, and it's played for comedy, I have to assume that they wouldn't like, I mean, fingers crossed, and not, not to knock the British sensibility, just to me, I can't imagine a world in which that is truly funny. So I was on tour as the, in the improvised handicap, and, and one day after the show, an American came up to me, and his name was, uh, he was my first manager. Um, his, oh. his name was Bert Stein, and he took me on as a client, and he said, just, I know you have all these preconceived notions about America and American media. Just come out for one pilot season. We'll see what we can get you. And so I came out and I actually quite enjoyed it. I lived in an, in, an apartment um, and near the Grove. I, was, I lived in an apartment near the Grove at the time, and I would mm-hmm. walk past Mindy Kaling every day. And, um, mm. and uh, I lived on the same floor as um, Zach, Zachary Brath. And 
Um, you know, I didn't know who these people were. To me, they were just my neighbors. So I would, just, I would say, oh, hey, wow. you're being rather loud. Do you mind turning it down in the evenings? I don't need to listen to you playing rock band every single night. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yes. Yes, Mindy Kaling would go over to Zach Braff's apartment and they would duet to Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. Would they? And so I was auditioning in the in the days and um, I just had a lot of, uh, of good fortune. I think because I didn't bring all the emotional baggage that an American might. You know, going into these offices, I would go into Rachel Tenner and be like, who? I would mm. go into Telsey and Co and be like, I'm sorry, where's the bathroom? I sure. I need to go. I think in many ways that's so useful to know just little enough about the industry that you're not cowed by these names, these personalities, these legends. You're just going in there, doing an audition, using the restroom, and getting the heck out. That's so great. And they don't think you're rude, they just think you're British, which I gotta say, not, I don't think yes. all Americans have that privilege. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great reminder. I wonder if it would go better for either of us if we moved to Britain and then started auditioning there and sort of had the reverse experience. What do you think, Malin, if we... Now that's something. Yeah, something to think about. Well, I don't You tell us, Martin. I mean, the perception, I think, of Americans over there is that we're stupid. I, I do think you would have your work cut out for you only because the British audience puts such a high premium on training. Mm. And from what you've explained today, I don't know no, that... No, we have basically um, none, yeah. It would be sure. easy for you to get into the room. Right. But right. I will say Americans have a charm that we don't and would find, I think you are two of the funniest people I've ever met. And I think that that humor oh, would Martin. carry you through <laughs> any situation. And really, honestly, if you ever want to, I have a, a, a country house in Sussex. If you want to ever come, you can stay as long as you want, take the train into London and, and audition for whatever, you know? Um, I, I really, I really think oh. that would be great. I did a commercial wow. one time with the Popeyes lady. She does from January to March. She does Popeye's commercials from March through the rest of the year. She does Shakespeare. Ugh. And I think. Well, that is a dream. It's it is the dream. And we need to stop conflating, you know, all my peers again, you know, Matthew McFadden with his sure. mm-hmm. recent Emmy win is the same. The work that he does is the same as the work that we did on the show. His performance in Succession is just as good as our work on the bus. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. episode, I think, is testament to that. In the moment when Marsha unmasks herself mm-hmm. in front of the parents, and you see that she has, in fact, mm-hmm. been crying yeah. up to that point. You don't see her cry. You see that she has been crying. Mm-hmm. Tell me how that is any less important, meaningful, political, funny, challenging, sexual, sensual, mm-hmm human than anything that Matthew McFadden in particular has ever done. He's not that good. He's really not that good. He's not that good. He's fine. (laughs) He's all right. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Well, are you tall? Are you tall? Yeah, I mean, I loved him in Pride and Prejudice, but yeah, I guess when you take the accent away, for me, a little bit of the charm is gone, certainly. Oh, he he was in Pride and Prejudice? I I didn't know. Yeah, in the remake with Kira Knightley. keep up with his career. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Very handsome yeah. in it, actually. Yeah, yeah. sort of interesting wig. Um, but yeah, the, the handsomeness not really affected by the strangeness of the wig, which is cool. And, can I ask you, when you were auditioning for the show, did you end up, um, so I was in a bit of a position where I was very fortunate. I was very privileged. I was being held both for this show 
as well as another show that was being produced for um, uh, UPN mm. at the time, or maybe the WB or the CW, one of those, mm -hmm. um, uh, that was a little bit more of a, a, a soap drama sensibility called Vampire Hospital. Cool. Oh. No, we didn't have that experience. Yeah, neither of us was... This was our only, I think for both of us, probably our only big audition of the time. Yeah. And thank God we both got it because things were slow for a while leading up. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I'd obviously been through sort of pilot seasons before where you auditioned, but this was the first one where I ever got a, a bite. And thank, thankfully it worked out. Mm. But no, certainly didn't have multiple mm -hmm. offers. So I take it Vampire Hospital didn't go and that's how you wound up here. Vampire Hospital mm. did not go. Um, well, you know, that's a fun show, but I think you wound up on the superior program. I'll just say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I will say, I will say. Yes, indeed. And this episode, I think that really bears out. I had so much fun. I, what I really liked about this episode was the irony. Mm. Um, there was mm. a lot of irony in this episode, and that's one of my favorite things. That was, that was actually my minor in RADA. So my major was sitting and my minor was <laughs> irony. <laughs> Gosh, what an, I just got to tell you, I don't think there's a single drama school in the United States that, that narrows it down. So that. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's exquisite. I wish we did. Yeah. And that's why I, saw, I think the best actors these days are coming out mm -hmm. of your country, Martin. Uh, we're just not producing at nope. the same level. It's, it's the UK and it's, it's France. lack of specificity. Yeah. They're leaving Americans in the dust. Yep. It's, yeah. it's also France. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite <laughs> French actors? Probably would have said Gerard Depardieu, but then we heard that story. Martin, I don't know if you if this made its way to you, but Oof. I guess he at one point pushed one of the twins down the stairs at a Nora Jones concert, and so we don't. He's canceled. Oh, so yeah. yeah, Gerard Depardieu. It's yeah, it's a non-starter for us on the show. Uh, we don't no. need that. Can I just go on the record and say, you know, I know a lot of Brits because there are cultural differences. A lot of Brits say these wild things in an interview about wokeism and cancel culture, and I would just mm. like to say that I am. All for it. I'm on board. I think it's a wonderful thing to see. I'm not saying that it's necessarily the case that we should cancel as many people as possible, but I do think there are certain people that we should look into. You know, you, you Tilda Swinton, she sure. McFadden's just like, how could someone <laughs> really, mm -hmm. that, you know, how could someone be, yeah, be so spotless? Right. Someone should look into that. Yeah. Are there accusations out there about Matthew McFadden? Or, or you could be. I mean, who aren't there accusations about, you know, I do feel that the feminist movement has really taken me too and really run pretty far in the other direction with it and, and sort of started to use it almost as a witch hunt. But I mean, I'm sure it's hard to get as famous as Matthew McFadden is and have a totally spotless life. Absolutely. And, you know, one example of that, and this is not at all factual, mm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there are stories, you hear stories where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And none of the Harvey Weinstein uh, stuff exactly. started out as factual per se um, until it was. Until mm -hmm. you, you dig a little deeper. And, you know, there is, it's tricky because there is a, a history in the UK of boys' schools mm. in particular, you know. Who, and, and tell me, a, tell me a, a male British actor who hasn't had anal intercourse with his classmates <laughs> and I'll give you a million pounds, I'll give you a million pounds. But some people would take it too far. And there are rumors of people, Matthew McFadden, I'm not sure who Matthew McFadden, people you could look into, Matthew McFadden, of, of, of taking things oh, in, wow. in this specific direction. Of taking anal intercourse too no, far? Is not that... that. Specifically what he would do is he would take biscuits, old dried up biscuits oh, no. from tea 
Which are cookies, by the way. Oh, gosh. Which gosh, cookies. I always forget that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, yum. Biscuits and honey sounds great. He would get them wet <laughs> and then put them in his pocket. And oh, he would no. come up to me or people. He would come up to people and say, can you help me get my keys out of my pocket? I'm My oh. hands are full because he's like carrying a box like he's uh, Ted Bundy or something. Oh, goodness. And so you reach people, me, you, people reach their hands in their pockets and they and then you touch him wet biscuits. Well, and that, that's right. not right. Uh, that's it's disgusting. nasty, mean-spirited, yeah. It has me rethinking whether I want to watch Succession anymore. I, I probably yeah, still mm-hmm. will because I enjoy the program so much, but it yeah. has me rethinking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, you know, and again, I just want to clarify, all the sexual stuff was totally above board. Everyone was on board with that. That was a real hoot and a half. (laughs) Right, right. It's just the biscuit stuff that really- Just the biscuits. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Yeah, so how has it been to see the sort of supremacy of Succession, a show, I think almost entirely staffed by British writers and, you know, a couple really iconic British actors in the cast. How's that been to see that- spread like wildfire in the United States. And would you ever want to be on it? Interesting question. I've never thought about it. I've never <laughs> no, thought about not it. Not even for like a moment. I think that's good. Not even a passing thought. But I will say that I, I consider myself a workhorse. You know, if there's a job, I'm there. I would. Don't we remember that? Gladly yeah. be on that show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But as far as the, I think it's, um, I believe you use the word supremacy, and I think that's a, a good word because whenever one show dominates the cultural conversation, I think that is a failure. Oh, sure. And and yeah. that I think is the great failure of Succession <laughs> as a show, and I do call it a failure. Is that it is so successful and that people enjoy it so much um, mm-hmm. because it means you're missing out on a world of other uh, programming and other content and. Um, you know, I just did this really great reboot of Seventh Heaven for Crackle. Um, mm, that's my most oh, recent yeah. project, and I would I, I I would hold it up against Succession any day of the week. My reboot of Seventh Heaven on Crackle is as yeah. good as HBO's <coughs> Suck. Oh, session. being a little <laughs> wow, we've never seen this being side a little of cheeky, you Martin. So, okay, I I was going to ask, that's a nice little segue into what are you working on these days? It sounds like I wasn't sure from your background. I can't tell if you're at your country home in Sussex. Are you still in Los Angeles? Yes, I'm at my country home in Sussex. It's 2 a.m. Oh, wow. Gosh, we are so thoughtless. We did. Yeah. Thank you for the flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, because I got that five gate tomorrow, so I couldn't do any later today or tomorrow at all. So really appreciate you making this work. <laughs> what time is it where you are where right we now? Are, so if it's two, you said it's 2 a.m. your time? It's 2 a.m. Yeah. Two. So it's 6 9 p.m. for me. For me and yeah. 9 p.m. for Kelly. Yeah. Oh, good luck at your 5K tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm working on that uh, Crackle show, um, a reboot of Seventh Heaven, to be determined if it's being picked up for subsequent Well, seasons. fingers crossed. I, I would love that. I'm really enjoying um, the issues that we're, we're really tackling religion um, in America, mm-hmm. which I think is important. I think that's yeah. something that needs to be dissected. And I think uh, we are the people mm-hmm. to do it. And so during my hiatus, I'm back home and I'm teaching. I'm doing a couple master classes at Rada myself oh, as a teacher. And so wow. that's a beautiful full circle moment. That really is. Some future star is going to remember mm-hmm. you and on a podcast. I just, I love that. I love that. We're actually working on, I'm using sides from this episode <gasps> in the class. 
Uh, in particular, it's the scene where Jackie is, if you recall, Jackie accidentally uh. punts one of the kids in the head <laughs> because she's so frightened oh, of his costume. Yeah, that was a tough one to film, I gotta say. Yeah, challenging episode, definitely, to be my first time on a comedy where I'm thinking, I'm not going to have to work with stunt coordinators, surely. And then you are, and surprise, you're kicking a kid. I mean... We had someone write into us uh, with a photo of very funny Halloween <laughs> costume where they're dressed like Jackie and they've got a little doll, um, I guess taped is maybe how they did it, taped a doll to the leg uh-huh. as if they're kicking a child. And I just, if if anybody else is doing writing around Halloween costumes, please send them in. We love oh, to see oh, it. This okay. one was so funny. I'm going to see if we can get this posted on the Instagram this week. We had a, a little listener question. Oh, is the question small or is the listener small? Oh, oh I well. guess I'm just as maybe an American thing. I'm just I'm just adding words where I don't need to. <laughs> so true. Yeah, we do that. It's an absolutely normal sized listener question. It's oh, from gotcha. Artie in Kansas City who wants to know: Did you keep the red nose from the mm. costume? Yes. Do you still have it to this day? Yes, do you ever, yes, do you ever do. break it out? Oh. I do. Um, it's not here. It's at my apartment in Los Angeles. Um, Good. Uh, Where it belongs. Uh, but I did keep that. And it's one of my more cherished possessions. I have on my mantle three objects. One is my father's fishing rod. Mm-hmm. Oh. The second is um, a photograph of Ricky Gervais because he I owe my entire yeah entire career to him and the third is is that nose um because I wow I just be- became that nose and that nose became me and you know I I I really didn't know what I was getting in for when I boarded the bus mm-hmm. I thought that it would be one season one you know paycheck and then I would be back mm-hmm. in the UK and that didn't happen and instead I found myself I found my identity in the mm-hmm. in the clown because oh what is life I, you know we can't take life too seriously All the, recently no. these past few years people want us to take everything so seriously COVID this and that right, you know sure. and I say let's not Let's not take anything. Let's not think about it. I agree. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's put some big skeletons out (laughs) of the yard. Thank you. Can I put you you in touch with my neighbor? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Gosh, Martin, it has been such a pleasure having you here today. We are Mm. so, gosh, the depth, the range of this conversation, just chef's kiss. If we were to ask you to plug anything you're working on right now or anything you've been, you know, anything you'd like our listeners to know about, feel free. Yes. Well, when I am in Los Angeles, one thing I like to do is to go to small black box comedy theaters. And so good of you to support the arts. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I do that to remind myself of where I came from. Uh, I can't say I really like it. I I can't (laughs) say I've like seen anything that good. But Mm. one thing that I have seen that I've really enjoyed is uh, the improvised comedy team pony at the ucb theater wow um, mm. and uh but there's a young there's a lot of funny people in it. <laughs> but is there one comedy. you'd like to highlight yeah say there's just one person's well, name there's one that could. reminds me of me and that's why <laughs> i think it resonates with me and that person's name is kale hills and okay. um uh, they have a show coming up on november 17th 
And wow. you can find tickets at the UCB Theatre website and you can go see that performer. You can see other funny performers um, and you can tell them Martin sent you. Okay, <laughs> we certainly will. And does Kale have a website or anything or any sort of social media presence he cares about? He's or on yeah. Twitter at Kale Ethan. Okay, great. Just his middle name, which he thought would be a cute thing to make as a handle and it really hasn't borne out it, it's not that clever it's not that cute but you know it is what it is oh it's plenty well, cute let's be I nice think to kale yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yes. that kale the, the e's in kale and then it's double purposed as the e and ethan or there's oh, two that would have been smart <laughs> so it's <laughs> kale two e's. in full ethan in full great yes okay yes now we know it Thanks so much, Martin, for your time. Great to uh, see you. Thank you for having Have me. Have a great day. I should go to bed and you got to get ready for that. Yes. Right? <laughs> and we'll see you in Sussex, huh? <laughs> see you thank you so much to all of our listeners. Thank you also to Kelsey Bailey for our logo and to John Purcell for our theme music and for mixing the show. You can follow us at Riding Around Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And send your thoughts and questions to our email address, ridingaroundpod at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate us, and review us anywhere you find your podcasts. And if you leave your favorite Riding Around memory in your review, we'll read it in an upcoming show. Come back and join us next week. We'll have another great episode for you that you won't want to miss. See you then. Hack, hack.